Thank you, worship team, for your passion, man. That is just awesome. That's the way we ought to worship, amen? I want to share with you a, uh, a quote, and it's from T.E. Lawrence, who's also known as Lawrence of Arabia. You ever heard of him? And this is what he says. All men dream. All men dream, but not equally. Those who dream by night in the dusty recesses of their minds, they wake in the day to find that it was all vanity. But the dreamers of the day, the daydreamers, the dreamers of the day, they are the dangerous men, for they may act their dream with open eyes to make it possible. Have you ever had a dream? Have you ever had a moment, a conviction so powerful that it thunderbolted through the entire body, every fiber of your being was awakened by this dream. It compelled you to action. You could not get away from it. Have you ever had a why not me moment? And you sat there and you wondered what must happen for me to actually have a part in this. Moments of inspiring courage, moments that others would think foolish, or have you ever caught yourself settling? I mean, you had the moment that you sat there, you settled for small aspirations rather than the big dreams under the pretense of realism. Let's, get, let's be real. I mean, let's, let's be honest. I mean, that's just a little crazy, right? See, today I'm going to talk to you about courage. I'm going to talk to you about the kind of courage that just forces you to do something out of the ordinary, something extremely extraordinary. See, the real question I think most of us struggle with is, how do I know that this dream is, is in my heart is from God or just, you know, some bad lasagna that I ate last night, right? How do I know that? How does that work? So I'm going to give you a couple of things right from the beginning, and then we're going to look at a story, a very famous story. As I always say to you, do not let the uh, familiarity of the story take away from you the blessing of it. Okay, it's a wonderful story. Some of you have heard this story since you were little kids. Some of you sang about this story. I just want you to just forget about that for a moment. I want you to make believe you're reading this story for the first time. But we're going to look at this story of the life of David, in the life of David, that is so powerful, that is so awesome. And while you're listening to this story, as we go through it together, I want you to think about these points. This is how you know if, if it's a dream from God. Number one, it's bigger than you. You know it's a dream from God if the, the dream is bigger than you. Number two, you know it's a dream from God if you just can't let it go. It's bigger than you, you can't let it go. You know it's a dream from God if you would be willing to pay whatever the price. Almost foolish. 
you know it's a dream from God if it has a catalytic effect. In other words, somehow what you do causes all kinds of actions from all kinds of people that you never thought possible. In other words, it inspires others. You know it's a dream from God if it meets a need that nobody else has met or everybody else is afraid to meet. But you know it's a need. And then finally, you know it's a need or a dream from God if it brings glory to him, not you. Are you following me? So we've been uh, studying the book of uh, 1 Samuel for now and, and 2 Samuel. And we're, we're going into uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17. Last week, we talked about how Saul had kind of lost his focus. Saul had lost his purpose. Uh, Saul was caught up in his own identity as king and kind of lost the sense of who he, he was king for. And he began to get very insecure and began to make some terrible decisions. Saul lost his kingship, but he was still king. And Samuel comes onto the scene and he anoints this little boy named David, who was a shepherd. And shepherd is not only great at shepherding, but this shepherd is also great at, uh, as a warrior, the Bible tells us. This shepherd is a mighty warrior. He's strong. He's beaten lions. He's beaten bears. This shepherd can also play the harp. This shepherd is a walking contradiction, and he is the perfect person that God is, wants to use to be a king over Israel. But he's still a boy, so he's got to wait. And Saul is still king, so David has to wait. But because he is so good, and because Saul is losing sight of God, Saul is becoming more and more depressed, more and more angry, and he needs Prozac. But they don't have Prozac in those days. So what do they do? They have David playing the harp. He is Saul's Prozac. And so Saul invites them to the court and David is just, he's kind of this unknown son of Jesse guy from Bethlehem who's a shepherd who plays the harp. And he plays the harp every time Saul is uh, infected with this, 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 this terrible spirit. And because when David plays the harp, Saul's spirit goes away. And Saul is fine again. Now, let me just share something with you guys. We live in a world that sanitizes everything. Everything. And we're so bad at it that you go into a bathroom and you don't even have to touch anything. Right? You just, have you ever gone to one of those sinks and you're like, Come on, work, you know, and you're slapping the thing. You know what I'm talking about, right? Why? Because we, we we've, you know, and, 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 and now we have these, these blowers, you know, that supposedly are better than the towels, you know, and they, they don't work. You know what I'm talking about, right? But it's all like that because everything is so sanitized. We sanitize everything in real life. We, we don't want to ever think about the fact, but this, listen to me what I'm saying. Right? We can never imagine the violence of the days of David. 
We don't have a clue. Now, movies like The Gladiator or Braveheart, you know, they've, they've tried to do something about helping us understand a little bit of that violence, but it doesn't come close because you can't smell the blood. You can't, you can't, you can't imagine the moment, the fear that grips you when you're in that battle. You have no idea of what's going on, realizing that there's this, this, this army of, of Philistines that are just so powerful and they have better weapons than you do. And in fact, they have weapons and you don't. And, 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 and they are oppressing you. And, and you, we, we don't know what it's like to be in there and, and see stuff splatter. And, 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 just, and even then, I mean, it's just, even if you survive that moment, and you were wounded, it would be long before you would die. Isn't that the best introduction to a sermon you've ever heard? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry about that. All of a sudden I realized, wait a minute, okay. But, but my point is this. My point is that, that we live in such a sanitized world that, that we struggle understanding what this story really is all about. The greatest battle that was ever fought in the Old Testament was not between two armies. It was actually between two people. Think about that for a second. And we're going to look at that famous story of David and... David and... Okay, good. I want to make sure you guys know the story. And it's found in 1 Samuel chapter 17. And uh, they're going to do the best they can to... To follow with me now, one of the things that I want to remind you about last week that was really important was this one point that God makes to Samuel. It's, it's really the point that kind of comes, that, that keeps coming up all the time throughout the story of David. As Jesse's sons were coming by and you had the oldest and the next oldest and so on. And, and Samuel's thinking, it's got to be this, it's got to be this, and it's got to be this. When you think about King Saul, who was tall and handsome and strong, it, 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 Samuel is trying to figure out what is going on here. And i got to tell you something right now. God says to Samuel something so powerful that I don't want you to forget. It's really important, even in this story. He says, man looks at what? The outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. We are creatures that are dazzled by the outward appearance. But God doesn't care how good you look on the outside, how strong you are on the outside. What he cares about is what you are on the inside. He doesn't need big men and women who are cowards. He needs small men and women, even little boys and girls, who have strong hearts, big hearts. Hearts after God's own heart. So it says uh, in chapter 17, beginning with verse 1. Now the Philistines gathered their forces for war. Again, I want you to think about not sanitizing this story. And assembled at Sokol in Judah. They pitched camp at Ephesus Damim. Between Sokol and Azekiah, those places. Saul and the Israelites, see, I'm, I'm trying to make you feel good about not being able to worry, read those 
like I can't read them either, so don't worry about it, right? Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up their battle line to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another with the valley between them. And then at that moment it says a champion, a champion named Goliath who was from Gath came out of the Philistine camp. He was over nine feet tall. Who's the tallest guy in this church right now? Who do, who do we have? No, Jesse, are you the tallest, you think? No. Yeah, John, John Schutte's pretty tall, but I don't see him here. He might be, I don't know. But, you know, you know that's pretty tall, right, when you're like over six feet? Right? Jim, where's Jim? I know Jim is here. Is Jim here somewhere? All right, Jim. Can you stand for a moment, Jim? Just, everybody just, how tall are you, Jim? Six, seven. That's pretty intimidating right there, isn't it? If you didn't know Jim was a good Christian man and you saw him in the dark alley, you'd be intimidated. I would be. And I'm six, seven horizontally. So, I mean, think about that for a moment, right? That's like wild. That's a huge guy. But this guy here was nine feet, over nine feet tall. That's a big guy. That's a big guy. And he gets up and it says he had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. That is approximately 200 pounds. 200 pounds. He's wearing that. And he has a bronze javelin that was slung on his back. The spear shaft like a weaver's rod and its iron point, only, a, only its iron point weighed 600 shekels, which is about 25 pounds. And the shield, sh shield bearer went ahead of him. <laughs> it's kind of nice to be that guy's shield bearer, right? Come on. I got you covered, Goliath. <laughs> Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel with this subwoofing 20 out of two tubas sound coming out of his mouth. Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and are you not the servant of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. And then the Philistine said, This day I defy the ranks of Israel. You give me a man and let us fight each other. And on hearing this, the Philistine, uh, on hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Saul, the tallest man in Israel, and all the Israelites were dismayed. And they were scared and they were hiding and they were trying to come up with a committee to come up with a plan to figure out what to do. And I don't know about you, but I think I'd be afraid if I saw a nine-foot guy coming at me with these big voice saying these things. 
I don't know about you, but I would be upset. I don't know. Have you ever encountered giants in your life? This is what giants do. They intimidate. Their basic strategy plan is let me make you really, really scared so that you don't move into action. And I want to tell you right now, the enemy is constantly sending giants in our lives. They may have different faces. They may have different sizes, different ways, but they are still the same giants that the enemy sends to us. Some of them are giants of calamity. Some of them are giants of, of, of uh, disease. Some of them are giants of finances. Some of them are giants of relationship breaking down. Some of them are giants of addictions. Some of them are giants of all kinds of things. And we don't know what to do and we're afraid. And they are intimidating us. They're imposing upon us. But here's what I'm going to tell you right now. You know where I'm going with this. No matter how big the giant is, God is bigger than the giant, isn't he? No matter how big the giant is, God is bigger than the giant. He is more powerful than the giant. And he loves to give that giant an inferiority complex, doesn't he? And I want to tell you right now, it's so important to recognize the God that we serve. That's what this story is about. This story is about a little boy who recognizes that there is no giant. Everybody is going, oh no, there's a giant. He's going to crush us like little bugs. David, as you will see in a few moments, it's like, wow, he's so big, I can't miss. It's a whole different perspective on this, isn't it? Those giants, they're there in our lives. They pound relentlessly on our doors. They come unexpected in the morning or in the evening. And their big, biggest tactics is persistent intimidation. Persistent intimidation. I know there are people in this room right now that are facing some pretty intense giants in your lives. And I am hoping that some of the things that we will say today will give you some courage. Courage to overcome those giants. And it's not going to be you that's going to do it. It's going to be the mighty warrior, Jesus Christ. Amen? So... Um, David now decides uh, he's, he's out shepherding. He's not even part of the, the whole story yet. But his father, Jesse, uh, has three sons, the older sons, the ones that were passed by by God. They're in the army fighting. And so Je uh, Jesse says to David, the shepherd boy, look, I need you to go and bring this food to your brothers. I want you to go and take care of them. Bring this food Take care of them, all right? And then come right home. Don't get into trouble. Just bring the food and then come home. Is that you get that, David? Oh, yes, Dad. All right, good. So David goes. In verse 20 of chapter 17, I'm going to test how good they are back there. In verse 20 of chapter 17, it says, Early in the morning, 
David left the flock with, the sh- with, with a shepherd, a different shepherd, loaded up and set out as Jesse had directed. He reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle position, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines, facing each other. David left his things with the keeper of supplies, ran to the battle lines, and greeted his brothers. Now, David about this time, most theologians believe he's about 15 years old. 15, listen to me, 15 years old. He's just a little shepherd boy, 15 years old. And I don't know about you, but if I'm 15 years old, I want to know. I want to be in on the action. I want to be in on the adventure. I, I, I know I'm bringing the food, but I'm going to leave the food behind. I want to find out what's going on here. I want to be part of this. I'm going to be involved, right? Have you met young people that have this kind of uncanny ability to not see danger the way adults see danger? No? Okay. You'll see. So he greeted his brothers, it says, as he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from the lines and shouted his usual defiance. He's been doing this every morning and every evening, over and over again. This was a great point that he was making. He said, look, why should everybody die? Just bring one guy out, I kill him, and it's over. You guys serve us. That's easy, right? When the Israelites saw the man, they all ran from him in great fear. Now, it says, the Israelites have been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his father's family from taxes in Israel. So in other words, they're actually discussing the incentives that Saul has put in place if they would kill this guy because Saul's not going to do it, right? That's his job, but he's not going to do it. So he's like giving them incentives, incentivizing them. Look, you get to marry my, my daughter, you get to have wealth for your whole family, and everybody in your house doesn't have to pay taxes. That's pretty cool, I think, don't you? I think David overhears this, and even as 15 years old, he's, pretty, he's a pretty good interpreter. He knows, this is pretty good. This is, sounds great. And so he wants to make sure that this is correct. Meanwhile, he's thinking to himself, why is this happening? Why is nothing being done about this big brute? Right? So it says, David asked the man standing near him, walk, what, what, what have we done for the man who kills the Philistine? Did I hear this Right? Who removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Why are we allowing this? What's going on? What's going to be done for him? I want to make sure I know the list. What? Is the daughter pretty? You know, 15 years old. You know what he's asking, right? He's not really sure about the taxes yet. They repeated to him what they had been saying and told them, this is what will be done. Now, right about this moment, what is it about older brothers? Right about this morning, in the, in, in moment in the story, in verse 28, it says, when Eliab, you know, the one with the Maserati, remember that from last, year, last week? 
David's oldest brother heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger and asked, what, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the desert? <laughs> I know how conceited you are, conceited you are, and how wicked your heart is. And you came down only to watch the battle. And I think he's saying that loud enough so that all the other guys can hear it. So they all can have a good laugh at little boy David. And David goes, now what have I done? <laughs> I love this. Now what have I done? Come on. So here, let me, let me give you a little principle here that's really important. Young people. Young people especially. Be careful who you share your dream with. Be careful who you share your passion with. And, and adults, let me give you this little piece of advice. Be careful not to inflate the blimp too much. He's not that big. He certainly isn't bigger than God. Sometimes we get to this point in our lives where we are so tired by the relentless pursuit of these giants that we inflate these brute moments in our lives way past what they really are. Isn't that true? Have you been there? I've been there. I'm talking to you from experience. And I got to tell you, it is so absolutely ridiculous when you realize and you can look in hindsight. Hindsight is insight, isn't it? So David is like, what's going on here? What have I done? Can I even speak? He then turned away to someone else. <laughs> it's like, whatever. <laughs> you know, talk to the hand. I'm talking to this guy right now. I'm not talking to you, Eliab. So he's been a little disrespectful to his older brother. I get it. That's cool. I mean, that's, you know, whatever. Because he is so focused. He is so driven to do what he wants to do. And it says here, What David had said and what he was doing was overheard and reported to Saul. And Saul sent for him. And it says, David said to Saul, let no one lose heart. Let no one lose heart. heart. He's probably still going through puberty, right? On account of this Philistine, your servant will go and fight him. I'm here. I love this moment. I want you to just kind of bask in this moment right here because this moment is just absolutely amazing right here. Here's a little boy who just will not give up. Here's a little boy who just will not give up. Here's a little boy that understands something that I wish so many of us, so many more of us would understand. Don't you miss this. God applauds initiative, not intent. God applauds action, not just dreaming about it. There are so many of you who have great intent in your life, and yet you've allowed the giants to stop you. And I'm here to tell you, God honors your initiative, not just your intent.
God honors you no matter how old you are, no matter what age you are, no matter what sex you are, no matter where you come from, what nationality you are. It doesn't matter. We've talked about this last week. I'm going to keep saying this over and over again. God honors it, and he wants to use you if you are willing. And it's got to be more than just intent. You've got to have the courage, the moxie that David had. And so he says, I'm here. I'm here, and I'm going to do this. And King Saul looks at him, and I think he's a little baffled, and he says to him, but David, you're just a little boy. You're just a little boy. You're nice. That's so cute, really. I'm so, I'm just so, oh. But, you know, really, you're just a little boy. So here's, here's what David said. David said, look, I've killed a bear, right? I've killed a, 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 a lion. Remember that? Yeah. And I could kill this big brute too, right? Remember that? Yeah. Right? And, 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 and Saul's like, well, I, I don't know. And, and then he finally says, okay, right? Maz sends you out. I'm not going, right? So, and then he does something. He says, will you wear my army. Remember that? Now, Saul was way bigger than I am of Andy, right? Saul was way bigger. Yeah. So I'm, I brought my coat here. Don't, don't go anywhere. I know you're not ready for this, but I'm going to bring this to you. This is my coat. So this is what, this is just one of my light coats. I'm not even bringing one of my heavy coats, all right? But Thank here, let, let me, go ahead, put this on, <laughs> all right? So here's David. He's actually honoring King Saul. This is just weird. <laughs> How about that, right? This is what King Saul's idea was. Hey, you go ahead and you wear my coat. You go out there and you beat that giant with my coat of armor on, my sword. And, and, and David said the same thing as, as Andy. Like, this is just weird. I can't do that, right? Give me the coat back. Yeah. 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 I know. It's, you could just probably drop out of it. That's cool. <laughs> Thank you so much, Andy. Let's give Andy a big round of applause for doing that. So here's the point. I don't know. Why am I holding this? <laughs> I can talk without it. How cool is that? Okay. Here we go. <laughs> I do that all the time. If you give me a microphone in my hand, it doesn't matter what I have near my mouth. Okay. So here's my point. Young people, please do not miss this point. You may have some amazing ideas. And you may have courage that adults don't have. In fact, I know you do. Half of the time it's because you don't know any better. That's okay. But don't let any adults tell you how to fight that battle. You can listen to them. You could try it on. But ultimately, what God wants you to do is to fight in your own armor. You are an individual. You know what you know, you know what you like, and you go for it. And I know there are adults in this room right now that feel very uncomfortable about, about what I'm saying. But some of you guys have ideas. Some of the greatest evangelism ideas have not even been thought of yet because we keep telling you what to do, what to wear, how to do it, and so on. And it's about time that we stop doing that and we just champion your your, your action, your desire to move forward. And, and, you know, we can give you ideas and you can try them on, but ultimately it's got to be your thing. 
Are you following what I'm saying here? Please, yes. Four adults and, and 20 uh, young people are, are applauding. That's great. I, I want you to think about this. Adults, I want you to think about you when you were younger and you had ideas and what stopped you from going forward. Because sometimes it's not even the giants that stop us. Sometimes it's the saws in the tent that stop us. Sometimes it's the older brother that stops us. Sometimes it's the church that stops us. And God is saying, don't let the church stop you. You do what you got to do. We got to finish this work because Jesus is coming soon. Am I right or wrong on this? And maybe the reason why we can't finish the work is because we do not allow our young people's energy and creativity to blossom and their individuality to move forward to do what God has asked them to do. And we keep cramping them with this old armor and they can't even move in it. That manna is, that manna, that armor is gone. It might have worked for me, but it will not work for Andy. So, meanwhile, in verse 41, back to the battle. The Philistine, with the shield bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was only a boy. He was ruddy and handsome, and, and he despised him because he was ugly. No, I'm kidding. I just put that in there. He said to David, am I a dog that you come to me with a stick? And the Philistine, it says, listen carefully, it says, the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Did you catch that? See, whenever you intimidate a giant, they resort to verbal manipulations. He's so angry, he's so upset, he's getting intimidated by this little boy that he begins to curse him. And then he says, come here, and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of, of the field. And David said to the Philistines, you come against me with the sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will hand you over to me. Can you imagine the moxie of this kid? This day the Lord will hand you over to me and I'll strike you down. And I'll cut off your head. Today I will give, you, I will give the carcasses of the Philistine, to the Philistine army and to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. Huh, man? How about that, man? I mean, how, how can you not read that and go, amen and amen, there is a God in Israel. You need to say that to your giants. You can come to me and you can knock on my door, but there is a God in Israel and he is bigger than you are. And you can use some pretty intense language here if you wanted to. And all those gathered here will know all, this is important, all those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's, 
and he will give all of you into our hands. The battle is the Lord's. Perhaps the problem that we have with giants is that we still think it's our battle. Perhaps what we need to do is to say, God, you know what? He's too big for me. He's your giant. You take care of him. The ba- See, that's the reason why David wasn't afraid. I know where my hope comes from. My hope comes from the, the Lord. Right? I know where my hope comes from. My hope comes from the Lord. Say that with me. I know where my hope comes from. My hope comes from the Lord. Say it again, nice and loud. I know where my hope comes from. My hope comes from the Lord. Now say it like you mean it. Come on now. I know where my hope comes from. The Lord. Amen. That's what David was saying. I know. I know where it comes from. No matter how big you are, it doesn't matter to me because this is God's battle. And then all of a sudden you hear, boom, thud. And all the Philistines are looking bird's eye view, and they're like, uh-oh. They might have even used some superlatives. I'm not sure. But they're like, this is not good. And they watch little boy David. unsanitized, go up to this brute, take his huge sword that he could hardly lift, pick it up, and chop his head off. The Bible says that he picked up that head and held it high. And all the Philistines looked at that and they began to run, which was a big mistake. Because here's what happened. All of the Israelites began to run after the Philistines. Isn't that cool? See, you've heard me say this before. I want to make sure you get it again. You will never know how many you will pull into action by the wind shear of your obedience. You will never know how many you will pull into action by the influence of your obedience. You obey. You obey. Your family may not be here, but you obey. Your friends may not be here, but you obey. Because by your obedience, by you being here, you will be such an intense influence to everyone here and everyone that sees it. And they will say, I want to be like that. And David held that head and went to war and fought the Philistines with the Israelites and then came back. You know what the Bible says? Read about it. It's pretty amazing. He held that head the whole time through. He goes into his tent and he puts into his own tent. Apparently he had a tent. And he drops off his, 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 uh, the, 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 the brute's shield, Goliath's sword. He leaves it there. I guess that's kind of like a trophy. I'm going to put it next to the head of the lion and the, the bear. Put the swords right up there, right? He's still, got the, he's still got the head and he walks into King Saul's tent. And he says, here, it's done. 
And on that day, little boy David became the most famous young man in Israel. As the worship team comes up, I want to finish with this. I believe that God is waiting for young men, young women, old men, old women to come together and say, God, I am tired of the giants and I will not let these brutes get a hold of me anymore. I'm going to give that to you, God, and I will not, I will not be afraid because I know, we know as a church where our hope comes from. Our hope, come on, say it with me, our hope comes from the Lord. Pastor uh, out in uh, Brooklyn, New York, Jim Simbala in a book entitled Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire, wrote these words, and I hope they become the anthem of each and every one of us. He said, I despair at the thought, I despair at the thought that my life might slip by without God showing himself mighty in my life. I think all of us should despair at that thought. Because when God shows up mighty in your life, everything changes. Would you pray with me? Great and mighty warrior, thank you for giving us the privilege, Lord, to pick up some smooth stones and to face the giants in our lives. Thank you, Lord, for, for not just blowing them down by your breath, because you could do that, Lord. But that you involve us so we can feel the joy of a champion. Please, Father, may our lives not slip by without you showing mightily in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.